Look at Proverbs chapter 31. We started this study all the way back on Mother's Day for the month of June. We cared for some other things, and now we're back into our study on Proverbs 31. The Bible says in verse 10, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. And on Mother's Day, we looked at this text in its historical setting and dealing with what a virtuous woman today should look like. What a virtuous woman. How will she behave? Who will she be? And so we started there. But then we tried to answer this question. What is her biblical identity? In verse 10, it says, Who can find a virtuous woman? Well, there's only one woman in the Bible who is called a virtuous woman, and it is in Ruth 3.11. Don't turn there because we're going to be going some other places. But the text says, And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. So the only woman in the Bible that's ever identified as the virtuous woman is Ruth. And we learn some things about Ruth, and that is she's from a cursed race. She's a Moabitess. She's separated from God and His promises because God had given them to His people, and she wasn't one of His people. She's living in a time of great famine. One day she hears good news from a far land that God has visited His people in Bethlehem and has given them bread. So she makes her way to Bethlehem and she takes of that bread and she's able to live. Well, then she is working in the field and her kinsman redeemer finds her working in the field. She is a Gentile. He is a Jewish king and he goes and he finds her working in the field and he makes her his wife. And they live together and their offspring, their grandson, is David. And so what we see is a story that is one of the most beautiful love stories that we ever find in the Word of God. They live happily ever after. But that story is our story as a church. We're born into a cursed race, the human race. We're separated from God and His promises. It's left our souls famished. And yet one day somebody gave us good news that the Lord has visited His people in Bethlehem. The bread of life, Jesus Christ, was born in Bethlehem. Well, we receive Christ. When we hear this, we leave everything we hold dear. We made a beeline for Bethlehem and partook of that bread. Now He has us in His harvest field, and we're awaiting the marriage when He will take us out of the harvest field, and we will experience the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that is the picture of the New Testament church. So when we look at Proverbs chapter 31, not only is it, an amazing account of way a woman ought to behave, the, a virtuous woman. But it is also us as a church. We are the bride of Christ. How many of you believe the church is the bride of Christ? Do you believe that? Amen. And, uh, out, out in the overflow. Do you believe that? Amen. So we are the bride of Christ. So how should we as a church behave? What are characteristics that should describe us as a church? And they are found here in Proverbs chapter 31. And the first thing that we saw was her beautiful character. Her beautiful character. She can be trusted. Look at verse 11. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. You know, you can trust in people, but it's not safe to trust in them. Confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. There are people that you have trusted and you really shouldn't. Anybody here ever trust somebody you shouldn't have trusted? That ever happened? Well, here the Bible says she, his heart does, the heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. And so here's the question. Can our husband, Jesus Christ, we're a spouse to one husband, the Bible says. Can he trust us? Can he trust you? So her beautiful character, she can be trusted. Not only that, she is responsible. 
Look at what it says in verse 12. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Now, here's the, here's, this is fun. So she's not going to do him evil. All right? There are a lot of people that you are separated, you're living a holy life, and yet you're not doing anything. It's interesting, isn't it? The Bible says, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those that are of the household of faith. We're going to look at that in a minute. So not only was she holy, but she is working. She's doing things. She is responsible. And then when our, our last sermon, we looked at how not only she can be trusted, her beautiful character, she can be trusted, she is responsible, but she takes the initiative. Look at verse 13. She, she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She seeketh wool and flax. Now, that wool and flax, that's an interesting thing in the Bible. Now, let's, it's been a little while, so let's review something real quick. Put your marker there in Proverbs 31 and go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Everybody get a Bible. We're going to be all over the Bible. If you don't have one with you, look under the chair in front of you. There's a Bible there for you. Make sure that you have a Bible in front of you that you can see. Because the purpose of the church service is to study God's Word and to preach God's Word. Amen? I learned that from my dad. That's what uh, his Brother Raul was saying here a few minutes ago. Look at what it says in verse 12. Now, so we're at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So what does God want us to do by His Holy Spirit? He wants us to know what He's given us. Is that right? Is that what the Bible just said? He wants us to know which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So we don't come here to study man's wisdom. We come here to study God's wisdom. I don't have any wisdom apart from the wisdom that comes from God's Word. Amen? All right, so how do we do that? By comparing things spiritual with spiritual. John 6, 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are life. And so what the Bible is saying is there is truth that is only discernible spiritually. Look at the next verse here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man, that's the unsaved man, the natural man receiveth not the things of God, not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he might instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? We have the mind of Christ. So how are we going to understand these truths from Proverbs chapter 31? By looking at the words that God gives us in Proverbs 31 the truths that God gives us in Proverbs 31 and understanding them through the words that He gives us in other places in the Bible. That is the process of understanding the Bible. What's the best commentary on Scripture? That was so weak. What's the best commentary on Scripture? scripture. Amen. And so what we'll do is we're going to be comparing Scripture with Scripture. We're going to get what does the Bible say a church is supposed to be. You know, there are a lot of people that don't know what a church is. There are a lot of people, they don't know what a church is supposed to be. Proverbs 31 will teach us as we compare spiritual things with spiritual. So go back to Proverbs 31. In our last message on this subject, 
We saw in verse 13, she seeketh wool and flax. She seeketh wool and flax. So how do we understand that? Well, let me just read a verse to you. The Bible says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So wool in the Bible, it's a picture of the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus Christ. How many of you are thankful that all of your sin has been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ? So, not, so positionally, before God, right now, when God looks at Jim Alter, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How cool is that? I don't have any righteousness of my own. I don't have any holiness of my own. All I have is the righteousness and the holiness that God has given me. And what the Bible says that the virtuous woman did and that the church is to do for our husband, Jesus Christ, is we are to seek after holiness. We are to seek after righteousness. But then it says in our verse 15, in our verse 13, she seeketh wool and flax. What is flax? Flax is what is spun into linen. It's spun into linen. And what is linen in the Bible? Well, in Revelation 19:7 it says, "Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready." And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for the fine linen, listen, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. You know, we better look at that. Go to Revelation chapter 19. This is an interesting thing. The Bible says all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, that there's no way that we can be good enough to save ourselves. Is that the clear teaching of Scripture? Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by His mercy He saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I can't do anything to get saved other than repent of my sin and receive the gift of eternal life, acknowledging Jesus Christ as my Savior. Is that right? It's very clear. But look at Revelation 19 and verse 7. The Bible says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. The marriage of the Lamb is come. And who does the Lamb marry? The church. The church. What church? What, are we, what is that talking about? The church that is being referenced is believers. Every person that's saved. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. For we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body. Then the Bible says the body is the church. So the church is the body of Jesus Christ. Every person that places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for their eternal life is baptized by the Holy Spirit into Jesus Christ. Is that right? Is that what the Bible teaches? Very clear. The church is every saved person. I'm not saying that it's every Baptist. Dalton Robertson says there's more Baptists in Texas than will be in heaven. <laughs> Being a Baptist never took anybody to heaven. Amen. What takes people to heaven? The blood of Jesus Christ. We're not talking about being a Baptist. Now, once you're saved, you ought to be a Baptist. Amen. There's lots of folks that are saved. When they get to heaven, they're going to find out that they should have been Baptist. Okay. But... No one ever went to heaven because they're a Baptist. They go to heaven because they are saved. Very important. 
Now, how many of you think it's important to define that when we look at the text talking about the church? Lots of confusion. Do you know that a church has never saved anybody? There's no one saved because they belong to a church. As a matter of fact, you can't belong to this church until you are saved. Why? Why? Because when Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, the eunuch says to him, Here's water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? He said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Salvation comes before baptism. Baptism is what produces church membership. So we're baptized by the Holy Spirit into Jesus Christ at salvation, and we become a member of His body. Water baptism has never saved anybody. Jesus Christ saving us and the action of the Holy Spirit putting us into His body, immersing us into Him, into Christ, that is salvation. Water baptism, all that can ever be is a picture of what has already happened. Really important that we get that. All right? So, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And who is the Lamb marrying? The church. Okay, y'all slipped right there. Some of you are going to sleep. I can see it. All right, let's try this again. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. Who is the Lamb marrying? The church. Us. Amen? So, look at what it says. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife hath made herself ready. All right, so how are we to make ourselves ready for the marriage? Now, how many of you get this is talking about us? Seriously. This is us. Isn't it cool to find yourself in the Bible? This is us. All right. So she's made herself ready. How does she make herself ready? Verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. So what are we supposed to do? Because God has saved us, because we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ, now what we are to do, very important, is we are to be doing works of righteousness. That we are to be doing things to make ourselves more and more holy. So let me ask you a question. Are you more holy today than you were a year ago. It's very interesting. Are you purifying yourself? The Bible says, be ye holy as I am holy. That's what God is saying. Be ye holy as he is holy. You said, well, wait a minute. You said that my righteousness doesn't exist. No, no, no. What I said was your righteousness doesn't exist for salvation. After you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit in you to produce good works. Look at how it's said here in Revelation. Look at Revelation chapter 3. Verse 14, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write. So to the church at Laodicea, he says in verse 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. All right, so what is this? These are people, they believe the right stuff. They have the right statement of faith. They're just not that interested in it. They don't care. Now, and you can tell that that is American Christianity. Would you all agree with that? Just, you know, whatever. So, a little bit of false doctrine, it doesn't matter. 
You know, so they change 3,000 verses in the Bible. Ah, no big deal. It's only God's Word. Who cares? Is that, seriously, is that Laodicean Christianity? Is that where we are? Right? I remember one time uh, we had Brother Fagali, Edgar Fagali, was here. And he mentioned something about being, I don't remember where he was, and correcting the error of a woman pastor in this ministry. And man, there was somebody that got up and left the service. They were so mad, and I went to see them. And they were so mad because he had said something about Joyce Myers. And remember, I, I, Joyce Myers is probably the manliest preacher on television. It's just, <laughs> Joel Osteen talks like this. <laughs> Joyce Myers talks to preach. You need to be getting right with God. I think she has shorter hair than he does. I, I think that it may be true. Have you seen she has a new book out? She looks like the Joker. You got to look it up. Google it. Not right now. But you've got, it's unbelievable. And I know that I'm completely off topic right here. But I, I took a picture of the book and sent it to Laura. She said, who is that? It's the scariest thing I've ever seen. Anyway. And so I showed this, this lady that was mad that Brother Fagali had said something about a woman preacher. And the Bible says, let the woman learn all subjection. I suffer not the woman to teach, nor to usurp authority of the man, over the man, but to be in silence. That, that's the clear teaching of Scripture. And she said, well, I know the Bible says that, but she's helped a lot of people. That's interesting. So what is, what is the authority then? Helping people or the Word of God? And can you really help people if you're violating the Word of God? That's interesting, isn't it? But in Laodicean Christianity, people get so uncomfortable when you say those things, right? Because they're not passionate about the truth. They're passionate about their culture. They're not passionate about the truth. They're lukewarm. Well, Grace Baptist Church, we can't be lukewarm. We got to be hot. Amen? We got to be true. We got to be right. We got to be passionate. We have to care. It's really important. Otherwise, look at what happens. Verse 16. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And look at what Jesus Christ says the answer is. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. And look at what it says and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. What's going on in Laodicean church age? You have a church that's made up of saved people and lost people. So there are people here today. And if, if you died today, you'd go straight to hell. If Jesus Christ returned today to take his church to the marriage supper, you would be left behind. Get saved today. <laughs> Get saved. Because here's what, here's what people hear. When I say that, you would go to hell. You think you're better than me. No, I think I'm saved and I want you to be saved. Amen? If we're out in the desert 
and we're going to die. And I find some water and I drink it because I don't want to die. Am I better than you? And then what should I do next? Give it to you so you don't have to die either. But notice I drank first. It's just so you know. It's really important that we get this. It's vital that we get this. But look at what he says and be clothed. Verse 18. And white, middle of the verse, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. What is that saying? The shame of thy nakedness do appear. Do you know that there are, first of all, in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve realized that they were naked, they tried to make coverings of themselves for themselves with fig leaves. And what did Jesus have to do? He had to kill an animal because sin, nakedness, requires a blood sacrifice. We're, we're naked because we're clothed in our own righteousness. Jesus Christ wants us to be clothed in His righteousness. So we need to be clothed. Amen? So as believers, so as, as a lost person, you need to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. You need that blood of Jesus to wash away your sins. You need that righteousness of Jesus Christ to be given to you freely as a free gift. Amen, church? Amen? But then those of us who are saved, standing at the marriage supper of the Lamb, there are saved people that are going to be ashamed because they have no white raiment that they have prepared for their bride, for their husband. It's so important for their bridegroom. It's so important that we get this. Remember, go back to the Revelation 19.7. Go back to it. Look at what it says. Verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Is that what it says? What does it say? It's the righteousness of what? Saints. Saints. What is a saint? A statue on your dash. No, 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 no. Every saved person is a saint. Every saved person. You can call me Saint Jim. Every saved person is a saint. So what is this? The, the white raiment, the white linen. It's the righteousness of saints. Now, don't raise your hand here. How many of you are a little convicted right here? You're wondering, am I going to be naked? Am I going to be ashamed at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Because I've not produced any righteousness. I've not produced good works. I have nothing to bring to the king. That's the context. Righteousness. So, go back to Proverbs 31. That's all review. So, look at what it says in verse 13. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. So here's what, here's what the virtuous woman, she's willing to get her hands dirty. She's willing to get her hands dirty. Now, how many of you kids have noticed that your mom is willing to dive into stuff and you're saying, no way, babe, I'm not touching that. It is amazing what moms deal with. You get a scrape, she cleans it. You have a rash, she cares for it. Dads say, you're going to die. I am not touching that. Moms jump in there and care for what needs to be done. Is that true? As a church, we have to be willing to get our hands dirty. And what's interesting about this is look at how many times, seven times her hands are mentioned. 
So look at verse 16. She considereth a field and buyeth it. And the fruit of her hands, with the fruit of her hands, she planteth a vineyard. Look at verse 19. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. Look at what it says in verse 20. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. It's amazing. Look at what it says in verse 31. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. So here's the issue. I love it that the Bible always deals with truth before methods, with belief before works. So you have to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ before you can produce any righteousness yourself. Is that, is that the clear teaching of Scripture? That's right. So here she is telling you before you do the work, you have to have the relationship. It's very important. Before you do the work of producing children, you must have the marriage relationship. Is that the clear teaching of Scripture? Amen. Amen. Now look, if you're a single mom here today, we love you. We're going to do everything we can to minister to you. We love you. We love you. And if your husband has left you and... You are innocent. You're pure. We love you. You can minister here, all of that. But you young ladies, if you have a child before you're married, we're still going to love you, but there, there is shame to that. And again, because we are culturally oriented and not truth oriented, I promise you there's someone, maybe more than one, who said, oh, he shouldn't say that. How many of you believe that a marriage-type physical relationship outside of marriage is sin. How many of you believe that? You believe that? It's very difficult to produce the child without the act. Is that fair? The act is sin. The child's not sin. Hallelujah. You know, I, I, how many of you have ever heard the, the whole argument for abortion? Well, what about rape and incest? You've heard that? Well, the answer to that, here's the only answer you ought to give. The difference between you and me is this. I say kill the rapist and save the baby. You say kill the baby and save the rapist. That's the difference between you and me. You're pro-rapist, I'm pro-baby. Do you know what that does? It shuts them up. Why? Because they're fools, they're murderers, they're evil, evil, evil. What's more evil than chopping up a baby and selling the parts? Is there anything more evil than that? Can you think of anything more evil than that? Take a living baby, chop it up, and sell the parts. But somehow in the culture, we're the evil ones. Woe to them that call good evil and evil good. That's what the Bible says. Is that right? So it's very important that we get this. So in the Bible, there is, there is always a priority. So when it comes to childbearing, the marriage comes first. When it comes to righteousness, the relationship with Jesus comes first. When it comes to works, the relationship with Jesus comes first. Because your works can never produce salvation, but salvation, true salvation, should produce good works. Is that right? And so here you have, she seeketh wool and flax, 
and she worketh willingly with her hands. The righteousness and holiness from God, and then the righteousness and holiness that is produced by God in you, and then through you, then you know how to work. You see, there are a lot of people reaching out their hands to the poor, but those hands don't have the gospel. So what happens is you're giving people a bottle of water on the way to hell. Is that fair? Does that make sense? It's so important. If you're going to give the water, make sure the gospel is given with it. Because the water can save the physical soul, but the gospel can save the eternal soul. It's very important that you get this. And so what God always does is His priority is the truth and then the physical. The spiritual and then the physical. It's so important that we get this. But we have to be willing to get our hands dirty. We have to be willing to do that. Keep your place in in Proverbs, but go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 15. The Bible says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. Now, how does a person become a son of God? The Bible says in John 1, he came into his own and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to be called church. Manly. Ladies, manly. All right. To them gave he power to be called All right, so you become a son of God by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. Verse 15 again, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, look at this, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Now, this is so important. Do you know that there are groups of people who go into monasteries? And what is the purpose of the monastery, the monastic life? Because the world is evil, I have to separate from that evil so I can be holy. That is completely unbiblical. See, we are supposed to be holy in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. But the problem with Laodicean Christianity is they don't believe the nation is crooked and perverse. They like it. I know Ellen is, you know... Her lifestyle is wrong, but she's great. No, she's evil. She's wicked. She's degenerate. Funny how that works out, isn't it? It's really important that we get this. It's a degenerate lifestyle that she is promoting and leading other people into. Right? But again, Laodicea and Christianity, I promise you, there's someone here that's saying, I wish he wouldn't say those things. See the problem? People don't think that they live in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Oh, we're a Christian nation. Really? They're doing gay marriages at the Air Force Academy. Yeah. How about the new transgender? The, 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 the Secretary of Defense just said that now we're going to allow transgender people in the military. You talk about confusion. Is that confusion? People are crazy. I want to know. So here's what's going to happen. Some dude's going to come in. Hey, you're in the Marine Corps. You've got to get a haircut. No, I'm a girl today. 
What are they going to do about that? You got to come back tonight. Tonight, I'm, here's my message tonight. How to speak to a liberal. You do not want to miss this. How to speak, I'm being gentle this morning. How to speak to a liberal. Now look, the Bible says, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Look what it says. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Will you mark that? Shine as lights in the world. Mark that because we're going to come back to it in just a second. Shine as lights in the world. How do we do this? Holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. It is so important that we get this, that what we are supposed to do is we are supposed to be out in the world getting dirty. What does that mean? That we're interacting with sinners, but we are not like them. Amen? It's like the youth group that they all put on bathing suits and the girls get on bikinis to go and give the gospel to people on the beach. I mean, you ever heard of churches doing that? I've heard of churches doing that. Okay, so I'd love to see the manual for that. Okay, young people, here's the first thing that we're going to do. We're all going to come together, all right? And then we're all going to take off our clothes (laughs) for the glory of God. All right? So now, understand, guys, that you make sure that you don't lust after the naked girls. This is ministry. How many of you think that's a crooked and perverse generation? Now, there's some of you, I promise you, there's someone in here saying, is he saying swimming is a sin? Only if you're naked. (laughs) this, this, This always reminds me, you know, so if I talk to somebody, man, I missed you at church, you need to be coming to church, and they get mad at me because I tell them they should be in church. And I always think, do you want a pastor that doesn't care whether you're in church or not? Isn't that funny? You think about that? And I want to ask you, do you want a pastor that wants you to get naked publicly? Is that the pastor that you want? And you say, well, I'm not naked. I'm covered like this. Come on. There are, I promise you, there are ministries right now getting ready to go do their beach ministry. And they're all working out so they can have their beach body so they can do beach ministry. (laughs) Seek after righteousness. Seek after holiness. That we live in a generation we're willing to go and do ministry. We're willing We're willing to interact with the the sin of the world, but we're never willing to endorse or partake in that sin. Because how can you shine as a light when you're causing someone to sin with your clothing? It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, seriously, it's crazy. Now, let's go on. Will you all give me just a couple minutes so I can finish this? I know we're a little later than normal because we're all talk too long. It's not my fault. 
All right. So this is really important. She worketh willingly with her hands. She's willing to get her hands dirty. You and I, we can't just say, uh, I'm not like the world. What we have to say is, I'm going to be like Christ in the world, interacting with the world, loving the people in the world, being kind, being gentle, being gracious, being loving, shining in the world so that I can lead them to Christ. And listen, you can't lead them to Christ by being just like them. You can't do it. There's got to be a difference. All right, then look at what it says back in Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. Look at what it says in verse 14. She is like the merchant's ships. Now, can you imagine saying that to your wife? Honey, you know what you remind me of? A tanker. And not just any tanker. You're, an, you're a super tanker. That's not the most romantic imagery in the world, is it? Oh, my goodness. I think that's just hilarious. But what this teaches us, this teaches us something about what the church is supposed to be. So remember, those of us who study the Bible, that two of the most important words in your Bible are like and as, like and as. So when God's trying to teach you something, He gives you something that it's like so that you can understand it, like and as. So she is like the merchant ships. She's like the merchant ships. So what can we learn from this? We're going to go through some scriptures to help us to understand it. But the first thing that I want you to know is it's not the minnow. It's not a pleasure. You know, just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, the tale of a faithful trip. It's a pleasure cruise. The ministry is not a pleasure cruise. You're out there on purpose, for a purpose, to accomplish something for God. Is that right? We're to be doing things for Him. That's the work. It's a merchant ship, not a pleasure ship. But go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's run some verses real quick. And let's allow the Bible to define this for us. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And look at verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Another name for a ship is a vessel. A vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. So here you have vessels, a vessel of honor and a vessel of dishonor. The vessel of honor prepares itself in holiness. Why? Because our job is to go out there and save people in the world because they oppose themselves. They have behaviors that are bringing destruction to themselves. So we go out and we show them the truth. That's what the church does. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. A vessel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Look at verse 4. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and in honor. 
And so we are, we're separate from the world. We're separated unto God in sanctification and in honor. Then, so what does a ship do? Now understand that this ship, they didn't have motors then, right? So this was a ship that was driven by the wind across the water. Driven by the wind across the water. We know the Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. What are we doing? We're comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Look at verse 26. Well, look at, look at verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So what do we see? What does the Holy Spirit do with the church? The Holy Spirit drives the church through the word of God. And so what we do, the merchant ships, what, what we do as the church is we scour the Word of God for truth to give to a dying world. We go and we seek for it and we take it, we deliver it to people who would never have it if we didn't take it to them. Merchant ships. Then go back to Proverbs. There's more that we could say there, but go back to Proverbs. 31. Verse 14, she bringeth merchant, she is like mer the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She bringeth her food from afar. Now, here, this is so important. First of all, if there's anything that separates a Bible preaching church from other churches, it is our love for the Word of God. This is our authority. We come to church. We study the Bible. We say what the Bible says. We believe what the Bible says. We live what the Bible says. And then we take the Bible out into the world and we share it with others. That, that's, that's what a Bible preaching church does. Amen? Amen. Amen? That's who we are. And let me tell you this. There are many people that they'll get a job or they want to live somewhere else and they think that it's going to be easy to find a Bible preaching church. Let me tell you, it is not. There's a lot of craziness being taught out there. There are a lot of churches where the pastor's feeding them Happy Meals every day. Now, Happy Meals, they taste good, but they'll kill you. Right? You can't live on that stuff. And that's what's happening in churches all over the world. But that's not what this text is talking about. This text, she's able to feed herself. See, there are a lot of folks here at Grace Baptist, and you love Grace Baptist because you're taught the Word of God. You're taught the Word of God from the pulpit. You're taught the Word of God in the classes. You're taught the Word of God through discipleship. And you love all of that. And I'm glad that you love that. We love providing it for you. But there's got to come a time where you're able to search the Scriptures for yourself and understand the Bible yourself, that you are able through the power of the Holy Spirit and faith and confidence in the Bible that God has given you, that you're able to dive deep into this and bring food for yourself, but also for someone else. Look at what it says in verse 14 again. She is like the merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is night, yet night, and giveth meat to her household. Do you see that? She giveth meat to her household. The Bible says in Galatians, I quoted it earlier, as you have opportunity, 
Do good unto all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. What's the household of faith? The church. So here's what she is able to do. She is able to teach someone else in the church. So let me ask you a question. Have you prepared yourself in such a way that you are able to participate in biblical discipleship and lead someone to Jesus Christ and get them grounded in the Word of God? There are a lot of Christians who know the Romans Road. Well, let me say this. A lot of Christians who don't even know the Romans Road. But there are a lot of Christians who know the Romans Road and communicate it, but they simply are incapable of teaching someone else the Word of God. The Bible says... The Bible says that we are all supposed to be teaching people the Bible. That is our job. And he gave, the, the Brother Rawl, he quoted this passage earlier. It's Ephesians 4.11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the job of the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher is to teach you to edify the body of Christ. It's to teach you to teach someone else the Word of God. Edify, to build them up. And we build them up through the Word of God. So you are supposed to be able to feed yourself, and you're also supposed to be able to feed someone else of your own household. And that's where discipleship is so important, and yet we order our lives in such a way that we simply do not have the time to get our hands dirty investing in the life of someone else. But that's what the church wants us to be. You know what I'm thankful for? I think we have 70 adults in one-on-one discipleship at Grace Baptist Church. We're doing it. Here's my question. Are you involved in discipleship? If you're not, you need to be. All right? Then, this is so cool. This is why I didn't want to end and cut it off early. Are you all doing okay? Come on, basketball games last two hours. Let's call this a football game and we'll go about three and a half. All right? Look at what it says. This is so fun. She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. So the household, that's the church people. The maidens are people that you interact with and work with who are not a part of the household of God. These are people that you're giving the gospel to. That you know God so well and you know the Bible so well, and you're living as that light shining in a dark place. And you're able and willing to give the gospel and lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's look at this. She riseth also while it is night. What is the, the night? Look at John. Keep your, keep your marker there. But go to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Look at verse 5. As long as I, this is Jesus Christ speaking, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Do you see that? As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Look at Acts chapter 1. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He walked the earth for 40 days. Look at what it says in verse 9. Acts 1, nine, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And they returned to Jerusalem. 
It's so important that we get this. While Jesus Christ was in the world, He was the light of the world. He's left the world now. So what does that mean? It means it's night. The night began when Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. We are in the night. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We are living in the night. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the what? The day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the when? In the night. So when the return of the Lord is always called the day of the Lord. How will we know it's the day of the Lord? Because the night will end. The night will end. It's really important that we get this. The night began with the ascension of Jesus Christ. Here's the, here's the really good news. Keep your place here in 1 Thessalonians um, and go with me to Malachi. That's the, second to the la- or that's the last book of the Old Testament. We're in Zechariah too long, right? Malachi, last book of the Old Testament. Malachi, the Italian prophet. Malachi. And look at what it says. Malachi chapter 4, look at verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Why? What's going to happen? But unto you that fear my name shall the Son, do you see the capital there? The Son of Righteousness arise with healing in His wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall. What's going to happen? Jesus Christ is going to come. The night's going to end. The day of the Lord is going to begin, and the Son of Righteousness is going to rise with healing in His wings. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And look at what it says in verse 4. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not, look at what it says, of the night nor of darkness. Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And there's two kinds of people identified here. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's going on here? It's nighttime. So in the dark, what we as a church do is we go out into the darkness and we give the gospel to the church but, and, and we teach the church the word of God, but we give the gospel to the lost who are out in the dark. We're shining in a dark place because this world is so dark. But here's the good news. You ready for this? One of these days, Jesus is going to say, come up hither. And the church is going to rise out of the darkness while it is yet night. And we are going to be with Him for that marriage supper of the Lamb. Those seven years with Him in heaven while the earth is being judged in the ultimate darkness on earth before the day star rises. And He comes to establish His kingdom on this earth with healing in His wings because He's destroyed it. All of that is coming. Jesus Christ, in the middle of this darkness, is going to take His church out. We are going to be married to Him as a church 
That is what the Bible teaches. And you know what our problem is? There's two kinds of churches today. There's, there's sleeping churches. You ever walk into a church and it's so dead you're looking for the body? Is this a funeral? Right? You ever been to a dead church? There's dead churches, then there's drunk churches. All these charismatic churches, they're so drunk, just saying foolishness. See, we're supposed to be awake. You know, whenever anything bad happens, you have a prayer vigil, a prayer vigil. The only problem is nobody's praying. They don't even know what a vigil is. Do you know what a vigil is? It's a watch. Watch and be sober. It's a watch. Be vigilant. It's a watch. You have a prayer. Let's have a moment of silence. That really helps me. I got a problem. Here, here's what I'm going to do. You got a problem, Roland. You're ready for, you know, you're trying to raise money for your ministry. Here, I'm going to help you. It's just the dumbest thing in the world. Why do they do that? Because you, I'm praying for you. Well, how about, let's hear a prayer. Who are you praying to? What God are you praying to? Are you praying to the God that rejected the behavior? The God that judges. How about we're praying for the victims? To who? For what? The victims are done. And as is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Pray for their families, but what are you praying for? For them. Who are you praying to? Do you see the problem? See, this world is crazy. And we as Christians, we have to take the language of the Bible and teach people that what they're doing is wrong. Let me show you what the Bible says so I can help you. I'm directing my thoughts to you. You're struggling. Thoughts. 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 Is that helping you? You see how dumb all that stuff is? The Bible tells us exactly what to do. We pray that the God of all comfort, to the God of all comfort, who comforts us, so that we can comfort others with the comfort wherewith we have been comforted. Let me tell you how God helped me through this. Jesus Christ is my Savior. I know Him. Let me tell you how He helped me and how He wants to help you. Or you can go... You see, we have a job. She arises while it's night. Okay, let's finish it up with this. She's not only sober, but she's working. Go back to, she's not only sober and awake, but she's working. Proverbs 31. And let's finish this up. She riseth also while it is night, while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She's not just awake and sober, but she's working. She's not only working inside the house of God, she's working outside the house of God. All right? So everybody, you can put your Bibles away. Just look up here at me, and I want to finish it with this. Those of you who are laying on the floor in the overflow, (laughs) look up here at me for a minute. All of us need to take the next step. Whatever that is, how many of you recognize that among the however many people are here today, that people are at all different levels of spirituality and of maturity? You all recognize that? So we can't all take this. I can't say, here's what you need to do. But here's what you need to do. Take the next step. For you, the next step may need to be, I need to get saved. I've been hearing the gospel for a long time. I need to submit. I need to surrender to Jesus and get saved. How many of you agree that that's the first step? Amen? That's the first step. 
Then, after you're saved, you might be saved, you might never have been baptized. You need to follow the Lord and believer's baptism. Baptism follows salvation. You need to do that. Some of you are here and you've never been discipled. And your next step is that you need to learn the Word of God so that you can communicate it to someone else. You need to be discipled. That might be your next step. You might have been discipled, but you've not prepared to disciple someone else. You need to be trained to disciple someone else. That might be your next step. Others of you, you're saved and you come to church, but you come in late and you leave early and you never interact with anyone else. You are not doing good to those in the household of faith. It's all about you. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to be seen. I'm going to leave. You need to minister to someone else in this place. Do you know that just a conversation with someone else might be the thing that makes their day? Do you know there are some people that the best part of their week is when they step foot in Grace Baptist Church? They need you. They need you. you know, one thing about Laodicea is Laodicea is very selfish. It's all about rights of the people. It's, about all, it's all about us. We need to come for someone else. Amen? We need to come for someone else. What is your next step? What is it? Take it. Take it. So, here's the question. All right, here's your test. We are the bride of Christ. The Bible's very clear about that. The Bible says that she can be trusted. Can Jesus Christ trust you? Can He safely trust in you? Are you being diligent? Are you seeking wool and flax? Are you seeking righteousness and holiness? Are you working? Are you willing to get your hands dirty? But are you holy so that you don't participate in the sin, trying to save the people that are in that sin? Where are you? How many of you, the Lord spoke to you about something today? Would you raise your hand? Some area, some step that you need to take. Let's all stand together.